You are listening to the Chef John Podcast. I'm Andrew Scrivani. And I'm Chef John, the bone in this chop. Well, welcome back, everyone. Hello, John. Hello. I've been thinking a lot about, is it better to know or not know? And it made me think of things like, what's actually in a chicken finger? Do you really want to know? I wanted to ask you, like, is it better to know or not know? Yeah, well, chicken finger, yes. Hot dog at the ballpark, definitely no. <laughs> don't tell, please don't tell me. Uh, not even after I eat them. But yeah, I, I guess it depends on the context. I'm generally a would like to know kind of guy. Okay. Although funny you mention it, I get questions on sort of the chemistry of some of the recipes. Why did that make it foam up? And a lot of the times I'll just say, you know what? I don't know. And I'm not going to find out because I only have so much room in my small brain for the stuff I want there. Like some cooks and chefs, uh, they've written books about it. They just break it down to the insanely minute detail. And it almost sort of takes the fun out of it. I'm fine not knowing why a recipe works. I mean, as long as it's, I enjoy it. So I'll, I'll just come in from that angle. And I don't know if it's an ignorance is bliss kind of thing. I think it just opens my brain up to appreciate the recipe and the food on a different level, like not knowing why it got brown or, well, that I know. But, you know, there's some stuff where some chefs feel the need to tell you every excruciating detail. Sometimes that ruins it. Yeah. You know what? Uh, it tastes good. Something that's also interesting is when people don't like a particular food item and then happen to learn it lives in one of the things that they love to eat. Right. And that's the case of it's way better to not know. Or on the other hand, there's something that they really like that they think is in something, but it's really not, which uh, reminds me of a tragic, funny story from way back in the catering days. We had a manager who, nice guy, but didn't have the greatest food knowledge ever. And I remember one time we were catering this wedding and he uh, screwed up something with nothing unusual. But anyway, we weren't going to be able to serve the hollandaise. And he told me he had already talked to the client and explained the situation and that I was just to cajole them and explain that we were going to come up with a plan B and it was not a big deal. And I said, okay, no, no worries. I'm, uh, I'm good at calming people down. I have that skill. Let me talk to her. So anyway, I'm talking to the client and the reason this genius told the client we couldn't do the hollandaise was because the cream order was bad or didn't come in or something to that effect. Uh-oh. And I did not know that was his just brilliant excuse he gave to this client who by now is not completely happy with our company. And so now I'm talking with her trying to, you know, get her past that. And we're going to go to something else that's just as nice with whatever we were going to serve the holidays with. But before I get there, she hits me with, hey, by the way, there's no cream in holidays. Was there an expletive in there? There were several. <laughs> Would you like to hear them? Rhymes with the second course, which was duck. Oh. So uh, anyway, I've said something like, you know, I know, you know, David explained it. And it's, she's like, yeah, there's no cream in hollandaise. So that was total bull. And she just, so she, now she's going off on me. And I got to stand there because, you know, I'm supposed to be the, you know, the calmer downer. So in my back of my mind, I'm like, you know, what? mental note, always find out the lie slash excuse <laughs> the person 
gave the client that you're supposed to talk to to make feel better. He was really convinced there was cream and hollandaise. So to him, that seemed like just a wonderful thing to explain why we wouldn't be able to do it uh, that evening. Did you make sure that he would never, ever forget? Yes. In fact, even better than that, I uh, moved on to another company about five, six days later. So it was not an issue. It wasn't, you know, my kind of place. In fact, the, the wacky stories he would make up to tell clients was the best part about the job. So just to give you a little idea. But anyway, yeah, it's funny how some people are convinced something isn't something and it's not. Well, in that case, it would have been certainly better for you to know what the lie was. My bad. If you're going to do client damage control, know all the BS that was sprayed towards them. If you had known that that was the excuse that he made, yes, how would you have handled the client? Well, and I believe the real reason was actually the eggs, which is so dumb. He didn't just use <laughs> like, how is it better? I think he said the cream was bad, which is another stupid thing to say, because how long does cream last? Like forever. And it really doesn't go bad. It kind of gets solid. Yeah, lumpy. So anyway, it, on several levers, it was stupid. Um, so yes, uh, how would I have handled it? No, I would have just gone straight to the apology. What are we going to do to solve it? He's the excuse maker. I'm the problem solver lady. What do you want to dip the asparagus in or whatever we were serving? So uh, yeah, I would have just been liberated to move right to the solution phase versus the keep apologizing, make an excuse phase, which I was blindsided by because she was very excited to explain how horrible his obvious lie. And of course you ended up with a client who actually knows what's in Hollandaise. Yes, which is like almost everybody knows what's in Hollandaise. I mean, I, I think if people who know food know that, but you realize how many people eat Hollandaise sauce, they probably have no clue what's in it. That's interesting. How many in our audience know that a Hollandaise is butter, egg yolks, and some lemon and spice and seasoning? And can we give everyone who's right like $5 or some kind of gift card or something? That could come out of your cut. All right. That was a terrible idea. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that was that tragic experience and uh, how one man... Learn the hard way. Hollandaise is sans cream. Something else about knowing and not knowing is when you're the cook. I have this experience at home because I eat gluten-free and my family does not. So it's quite often that I am sneaking in a gluten-free ingredient where uh, I'm figuring I'm going to try to get away with it. And for the most part, ignorance is bliss. Because most of the things I can put out there, whether it be a pasta or some breadcrumbs or things like that, nobody seems to be complaining. So when we're putting things in food and we know that we have people who may or may not object to the things we put in it, but we know for the most part, we can get away with it. Right. How do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, that's the tricky one. Like, you know, anchovies is another one. Mm -hmm. You know, if there happens to be a little anchovy in the tomato sauce, which just tastes so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But yes, there's been certain times where maybe I've known that there was chicken stock in a soup that was a vegetable soup. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. The servers were telling people was vegetarian. Okay. And I wasn't going to unmake it. So, you know, certain things like that do happen in the business. I've heard from friends. But anyway, yeah, I think you should probably fully disclose but it goes back to the other old argument is not telling someone the same thing as, you know, misleading them or lying to them. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Now, I am guilty of putting the anchovies in the tomato sauce. 
I don't have any vegetarians because my tomato sauce also has about eight pounds of meat in it. So it's just about the people who are squeamish about anchovies. So I don't worry about them. But uh, the other thing is, what about if you put something like egregious in a dish that people are thinking it's one thing and it's something really different? Well, would you consider crow to be egregious in a ragu? Um, <laughs> yeah. Or roadkill? No, not old roadkill, by the way. Fresh like a nice fresh possum. If someone made you a nice ragu and then you were like, damn, this is good. And then after they're like, hey, guess what that was? It was pork, veal, beef, and possum. Would you have a problem with that? I mean, maybe, I don't know. You didn't, hey, you didn't ask. You didn't ask what was in the ragu. No, that's true. You said meat sauce. I guess if it was delicious and I, I probably would let it go. But you would have preferred to know. I would probably have preferred to know that. Okay. The reason I bring up crow is because this reminds me of a perfect example of this, where my uncle used to tell this story that he told so often and so well, I'm assuming all the good parts of it were true. You know, the Italian uncle stories, it's always, there's some basis of fact involved. Yeah. But of course, they exaggerate out of respect for the audience, as they should. But anyway, he would say as a young kid, he would go to his uh, uncle's house and his uncle would have this box, this big old like fruit crate set up on a stick with a string on it and long string, like 30 feet. And they'd they'd go around behind the garage and they had like bird seed and corn and stuff under the box and crows would fly down. Now he called them crows. I don't know if they're ravens, blackbirds, but anyway, birds would fly in underneath, start pecking at the corn and they'd yank the string and the stick would fall and the box would slam down. And then someone had the awesome job of, you know, reaching under to grab a flapping bird. And I don't know how it was dispatched. I'm assuming some kind of strangulation or blunt force trauma or something delicious like that. <laughs> anyway, his uncle would, you know, for a few coins would have him and his friends hang out and do this for him. And at the end of the day, the uncle would come home from work and they would have whatever, three, four of these birds waiting for him and they'd give them their nickel or whatever the going rate for a dead bird was back in the day. <laughs> he didn't like connect what was happening after the fact. He just, you know, who knows if he assumed it was pest control, like who knows at that age, you're not thinking through this. You're just happy you got a nickel or whatever it was, ready to get a gumball. Uh, anyway, turns out uh, what was happening to the breasts of those birds, they were being filleted and added right to the meat ragu that he had simmering on the stove. And to his uncle, it was simply free protein for 15 cents or whatever it cost him to have the kids hang out and pull the string every whatever hour. So, of course, my uncle at a certain age was like, wait a minute, we've been eating crow in your pasta sauce. And his uncle's comeback was one of my favorite sayings out of context, because until you hear the story, it doesn't make any sense. But his answer to that, if anyone got offended or squeamish or whatever, the realization of where those birds were going, he would say, you know what? A chicken ain't nothing but a bird. A nice Sunday sauce. It's not unusual to throw some leftover chicken in there or whatever, you know, totally normal. We used to have chicken in the, in the ragu all the time. If you're okay with chicken in the sauce, with the meatballs and the sausage and the and the brujol, you have to be okay with these birds we're catching under the fruit crate in the backyard, which is fairly ironclad logic. I just always laugh that story and remember that story. That's definitely a case where probably best he didn't advertise the fact that he was 
fortifying his sauce with wild game that we'll use the euphemism, some nice wild birds caught in the backyard. Mm -hmm. But if someone did find out or ask or have an issue with it, he had the perfect comeback that a chicken ain't nothing but a bird. If you can put one bird, you can put them all. My friend, Chef John, I have an outrageous food take and I want to know your opinion. Now, it may not be completely outrageous, but it is something I feel very strongly about. And that is, I am against anything boneless when it comes to something that you could potentially eat with the bone in it, wings, ribs, a ribeye steak, a pork chop, any of those things. I absolutely believe that if the bone is still in the meat, it's going to taste better. That is borderline outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Certain things I tend to agree, although I'm going to go a little bit deeper. And I have to know if the bone was taken out and then the thing was cooked, I am 100% with you. That is a crime against nature. Okay. I actually saw someone try to bone out an oxtail one time. No. Oh, yeah. They didn't do it. They quit about a half hour into it. They were trying to tunnel bone it so they could stuff it. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was like, can you stop? Can I show you an x-ray of a vertebrae or an oxtail? In fact, I don't even need an oxtail. Let me just show you a vertebrae. See all those billions of little nooks and crannies? That's why you can't bone out an oxtail because your little chef's filet knife is not getting all you might get like the outside skin basically off but you're going to leave at least 40 50 percent of the meat on the bone and this is so dumb and they finally gave up so it depends if you're going to take the bones out of ribs and then cook them i think you're dumb i don't i don't like that why would you do that if you're gonna roast smoke grill whatever your ribs and then because you're doing a Michelin star restaurant, you want to quietly and subtly slide the bones out and maybe fill the cavity with a salsa verde foam or something and present it to me. And it tastes exactly like ribs cooked on a bone, except I didn't have to deal with it. I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. I sense a butt coming. No, that that's it. it, it the bone as you know, one of the oldest sayings in cooking, the closer the bone, the sweeter the meat. Absolutely true. Mm -hmm. So when people cut chicken off the bone, breasts, thighs, and then they grill it, that's not as good as when we grill it and cook it and barbecue it on the bone. Everybody knows this. That would be why you would think it was outrageous if they did that. But yep, there it is. There's the butt. I heard the butt. I was expecting it. If you're going to roll up to my table... With the Dover sole I ordered, by the way, we have to build a time machine and go back to the late 70s to get this dish. But if you're going to roll up to my table and you're going to carve and fillet that Dover sole table side and present it to me off the bone, I'm cool with it. So I guess it depends on where and how we are deboning. So you're basically not taking a stand. Oh, I've taken a stand. I'll, I'll die on this hill. <laughs> what was the question again? No. I want the best tasting thing, but I also have no problem making food easier for people to eat. I would say that in that context, I'm 75% right. So okay. if you believe that, if you're in my camp on this and you want to be 75% right, give us a five-star review and agree with me. 
if you agree with Chef John and you're taking the I'm 25% right position, also go and give us a five-star review. I am still hardcore. Keep the bones in all the time. Make people do the work. Chew on the bone. Make a mess on the plate. That's where I'm at. If you think this is an elaborate ploy, just to have you find folks giving us five-star reviews, well, I think I speak for both of us. We are quite insulted. That's correct. So I think what we're trying to say is, can you guys leave some five-star reviews? If you want to keep listening to this podcast, you will. That's right. This high-speed internet doesn't pay for itself. Does it? Is there any free high-speed internet? Have we figured that out yet? No. I can't hack into the mainframe or anything like that? Definitely not. That's probably a different podcast. This is not a simulation and Elon Musk will not be a guest on this show. I told you never to mention him on our podcast. Sorry. Who's Elon Musk?